we got we got some stories concerning McDonald's, some stories concerning reporters that uh, are literally <laughs> like getting paid from lobbyists it, instead of having like a little uh, middleman that is for profit news that they just go directly. They just go the directly now. to the li- it's quite the side hustle. And it's it's wild how many examples of this there are recently. This to be this crosses every ethical boundary like that you would ever be taught in journalism is shocking to me that, and one of these reporters is at ABC. So it's uh, kind of crazy. So we're going to take a deep dive. Yeah. yeah we're going to lean into that. And then uh, he's the fourth fixer upper, the fourth fixer upper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, isn't it... not the fourth estate. <laughs> yeah. Well, haven't, haven't we moved on? Like it's like the fifth estate now. What was that? Like, cause that was <laughs> like in reference or the fifth estate is like whistleblowers. Yeah. So That's the fourth estate works. is supposed to be public service journalism, right? The fourth estate. Yeah. Now, but public service journalism is really gone by the wayside. There are still organizations that do it, um, but it's tough. You know, it's like since we changed all the laws making what I call news retainment, you know, lifting that veil for uh, corporate influence and other, you know, big money influence in uh, news industry, it's changed quite a bit of things. Um, there's no fairness doctrine anymore. Everything is allowed to have a bias. And, you know, some people, you know, here's the thing, though, having a bias, having it isn't isn't necessarily terrible if you're honest about what that is and you have a commitment to veracity. The over. Yeah, I agree. Right. But when you when you're not being transparent about what you think, um, like, for example, if you're taking money from a corporate lobbyist and presenting yourself as an unbiased journalist from ABC, there's a problem there. Right. That's not the same thing that we're talking about. Right. So you can report something from whatever perspective and be honest about that as long as you're honest about the facts and you don't distort that or hide things or lie about what was said but we've kind of passed that at this point and it's really frustrating for me because you know when you've got all these QAnon people going fake news there's a seed of truth to that now of course their brand of fake news is the fakest of the fake news but you know don't let them hold them back and calling out the problem well it's like when you look about when you think about things like like objectivity and stuff like that, I mean, back in the day in this country, when it was normal for like an average metropolitan area to have like ten different newspapers and right. like well funded because it was all subsidized via the postal service and they actually did believe in the exchange of information and ideas, they saw that as being important. I would say is is actually one of the things that this country got right at one point in time. We don't get it right anymore, but like back in the yeah. day, we actually did get it right. So you had like socialist newspapers and federalist newspapers, and you knew you were reading a socialist newspaper or a federalist newspaper or even a communist newspaper. And that was all well and good. And people would kind of like look at these different perspectives and, and kind of frame their own analysis on right. things. Well, now, that's all gone and it's just replaced by a handful of corporations controlling everything um and their perspective goes from the corporate right agenda to the The corporate corporate left you know (laughs) slightly less polite exactly no you're not wrong you're not wrong because you know there there used to be an embarrassment attached to being a journalist and and doing that kind of thing right you would be you would feel shame like you would get haggled by your pairs, whatever. But a lot of that's disappeared. It's it's really unfortunate. Now it's become like a grifty universe in which I'll say whatever you want me to say for, you know, enough money, which is tragic. 
Is my uh before we get into the first story though, is, is my audio okay? Because some someone it was in the coming comments... out for a second there, a little wonky, but yeah, I hear you okay right now. It was wonky it's for okay. a It's not okay. I, I had a loose cable, so I want to make sure that could have just been like an internet burp or something. But all right, well, Colin, holler at me if something goes haywire. But uh, yeah, let's jump in here. So <laughs> McDonald's, folks. When McDonald's isn't busy violating child labor laws in Pennsylvania, which which we covered on status quo, I did a short on that. Um, here's what they're doing out in Texas. Here's something that they just did. Let's pull up that. Uh, let's pull up that uh, tweet, Colin. We'll start there. So this guy, Tina, who is this guy? First of all. This, this yeah. guy who tweeted this here, go up for a second call. So we get Elijah. Yeah, yeah, you pointed out blocked. that he has you blocked. <laughs> so what did you, what did you do? Uh, who knows? Okay. Well, what's his, so I'm not familiar with this person. Are they uh, he's, like, he's a, he's a Uber right winger. He's a, I mean, based on this tweet, it sounds like it, but okay. Uh, and he blocked I don't you. Know what exactly? Yeah, I mean, I'm blocked by a lot of these guys, though. They pre-block me. I'm blocked by Andy. No, I'm blocked by all these guys. I've been pre-blocked before, and it's a uh, it's a weird feeling. It's it's like you're just, uh, dude. You didn't even give me a chance to say my piece. Right. You just you just pre-blocked me. Um, and it's actually been more so by. Um, by liberals, and when I say liberals, I'm I'm differentiating between liberals and leftists. Um, it's it was your neoliberals. Yeah, like like I, yeah. I've been blocked by like like basically just like you aren't okay with Biden pre-block. Like I've noticed most of my pre-blocks, there's like a Biden Harris emoji going on. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> you're not even going to hear my perspective, but okay, fair enough. It's Twitter. You can do what you want. But uh, anyway, so McDonald's, let's go to that tweet. Let's watch the video yeah. here. And here's the, uh, you asked for a $25 minimum wage. Here's what you got. Is there is there audio to this or no? I mean, it's cool if there's not. I'm just curious. No, I don't think there is. Okay. So this is America's first ever fully automated McDonald's. That's kind of boring. Yeah, so this is the first ever fully automated McDonald's. They have, I guess, there's got to be some employees somewhere, I think. But, like, they're automating the orders. They're automating the drive-thru. And then it's just, like, coming out. They show you. Yeah, there's a person right there. So Colin's pointing there's out a person. There's fewer people, yeah. There's way fewer because they're. I guess is... they're overseeing it. Linking this to the minimum wage is absolutely absurd. They were going this route anyway would have gone this route anyway and obviously it's not a response to asking for an increase in the minimum wage the minimum wage yeah see nina's right it's 725 yeah. in texas so that's clearly not related so the they were going to do this anyway to a 725 minimum wage was to automate not a 25 dollars one so but they would have done this anyway this is the direction we are headed in the capitalists want to get rid of any expense that they can because it increases their profits, right? And if that means they can 100% out wipe out labor costs, they're going to do that. We've been headed in this direction. Um, and any, if anything, Elijah is making the case right now for what the tech bros want, which is a UBI. Well, that's what I think is interesting here. Whenever you see like an example of automation, uh, I think it, it it spawns a deeper discussion where this doesn't have to be a bad thing 
but because of our societal norms, it is right. a bad thing. It yeah. could be, if we, as a society, we're preparing for a world where, yeah, automation is going to give us an opportunity to where jobs are going to look a lot different and there's going to be less of them. And right. so a way to prepare to that, well, how do you prepare for something like that? Well, you have a UBI and, and, and an efficient UBI program, not, right. not just like a total misguided UBI program. And, and it can be unrolled in a good way or a bad way, but you have an efficient UBI program and you have an efficient federal jobs guarantee. People make it out like they're competing ideas. They really I don't have to be. They don't I agree. Be. I agree with you. hundred percent agree with you. To me, the UBI is more of a text tech tech tax. Couldn't get that out. I think of it in terms of like how folks in Alaska get a payment every year for the oil, right? They, everybody in Alaska, it's universal. There's no means testing. They just get this payment, right? Think of it as the same way for the uh, inroads that we made with tech, right? So it's just a same type of a principle, except now everybody's going to get a payout for the, uh, for those gains that they've made in technology. So and I don't think that that is, is in an argument against a jobs guarantee. I think what this paves the way for, if you're correct, if we do it properly and don't look at it in terms of the you know dismal late stage capitalism that we are in right now, but we look at more of an opportunity to create better jobs, you know, not shitty jobs, jobs that people get excited about, not really low wages that can't you can't pay the bills on that you hate because they're terrible, right? Sort of think of it as like the division of labor, right? I think it's an opportunity for us to do something better, but you know, who knows what that's going to look like? Because I doubt most Americans can kind of get behind whatever, whatever changes would be necessary to make that happen. Well, I think that the American people would be happy to get behind that. I, I think if that, it might be tough for a lot of people to wrap their head around such a thing, at least at first. But I think our society, at least I hope so, would welcome uh, a situation where our work culture is less psychotic than it is now. You would think, and I think you're right on that. I guess the problem is is that we have this never-ending, uh, um, never-ending amounts of propaganda that corporations put out there to like make things seem a certain way or yeah. to feed these ideas that are really against the working class, but to make it seem like, well, if you're truly a, 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 an American that loves freedom, you're going to get behind this. And it's okay if, you know, the capitalists take ever increasing amounts of wealth, that's your duty as an American to love it because that's our system, you know? So there's, mm -hmm. we'd have to do something about that kind of propaganda that's been spoon fed. And I think a really good example of looking at that would be universal healthcare. If you look at the rhetoric, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was all about socialized medicine and attaching the idea of having a universal healthcare program as being a socialist. And if you were socialist, you were into this, you know, horribly anti-American um, authoritarian space. None of this was accurate, right? But it was served up so often and so well that a lot of the American public bought it. They believed that, right? And it took a long time to convince minds that that wasn't the case. But, but now I'd say here in 2023, we're entering 2023, that a lot of people do see it differently. You know, they don't look at it as this socialized boogeyman that it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Well, but here's the interesting thing. When you think about like, like, you're right, the capitalists will be like, oh, no, you don't want we shouldn't have a UBI or a federal jobs guarantee. We're just going to automate things. And then you're on your own and the profit right. margins are going to get better for the shareholders. Right. But what's interesting here is that's actually against their interests. You know, I mean, so so Travers just said this in the chat uh, and this is like a basic truth. Capitalism needs consumers. 
a society where like people have more free time and people have more, you know, like they have some money in their pocket to spend, that's going to increase consumerism. So even from the standpoint of the capitalist, getting ready for a world with less jobs, like like just literally less jobs, but also getting ready for uh, to meet the challenges of the world. I mean, look, we could easily have a federal jobs guarantee because there's no reason why anyone who wants to work shouldn't be able to. We got folks, a climate crisis is coming. All right. We're going to have plenty of stuff to do. There's going to be plenty of stuff to do and we're going to need people for it. We can't automate everything. Yeah. So preparing for that world, not only is it the right thing to do morally, because, you know, it's pretty dope to survive as a freaking species, uh, but also but also even from the capitalist perspective, it makes sense. Like, like, like it adds up even from their soulless perspective. So, yeah, no, I, I, so that is, that is tr absolutely fundamentally true, right? Our, our, um, economy is driven by consumption. Like two thirds of our growth is based on consumption traditionally, right? That's how our model has been for a long time. That is the model of capitalism, right? So previously you would have seen capitalists say, yeah, we want to pay enough of a wage where our consumer base has enough to spend on the widgets that we're producing because we want to sell widgets and that in turn makes the growth happen, right? But so many things have affected that recently. Globalization is one of them. Um, you know, they look to other markets outside of the United States when wages kept getting suppressed here. They're like, it's fine. We don't have to worry about that. We have other runway in other markets. So even if we don't have Americans buying as many widgets as we used to, we have elsewhere to go. And as the wealthier got wealthier, they were spending ever increasing amounts. So that kind of took up some of the slack too. Another thing that helped alleviate that was credit, creating credit markets, right? Handing people more cash for what they didn't have and also charging them on the back end for that, right? Now we're entering a different phase. Um, and I think another thing that's affecting it now is that a lot of these folks at the top, right? The really wealthy elites in this country they're not worried, Ron, about people not spending money because they have stockpiled so much cash. These folks are so wealthy that if they stop selling widgets tomorrow and the entire thing tanks, they're fine. I mean, that is how dystopian our economy is at this point. It's very dangerous. Totally. And so here we are, folks. They have the first ever fully automated McDonald's. This doesn't have to be a bad thing. But with the direction we're going, it's a really freaking bad thing. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, that's the, that's the most important theme whenever you see stories like this. Keep yeah. in mind, it's a choice. This could be an opportunity for a better tomorrow. And maybe at some point it will be. I sure as hell hope so. Yeah. But that's the future we're fighting for. We're fighting to kind of uh, remake the narrative and to right. go in that direction. Right now, we're, we're definitely not as a society. We're going the opposite way. But it doesn't have to be this way. I mean, we have the technology to really turn yeah. a tide for the better. And it I really so. sucks we're not doing that. It really does. Uh, should we move on to uh, yeah, so Trump next? I think Trump, Trump next. is next. So uh, I don't know if folks have been paying attention to the news this week. The January 6th committee on Monday had what should be their final committee hearing. And they absolutely did recommend uh, charges for Trump. I want to play a clip of um, some of that. Can we play that clip, Colin? This is the starting point for our analysis today. The first criminal statute we invoke for referral, therefore, is Title 18, Section 1512C, 
which makes it unlawful for anyone to corruptly obstruct, influence, or impede any official proceeding of the United States government. We believe that the evidence described by my colleagues today and assembled throughout our hearings warrants a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violations of this statute. The whole purpose and obvious effect of Trump's scheme were to obstruct, influence, and impede this official proceeding, the central moment for the lawful transfer of power in the United States. Second, we believe that there is more than sufficient evidence to refer former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violating Title 18, Section 371. This statute makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States. In other words, to make an agreement to impair, obstruct, or defeat the lawful functions of the United States government by deceitful or dishonest means. Former President Trump did not engage in a plan to defraud the United States acting alone. He entered into agreements, formal and informal, with several other individuals who assisted him with his criminal objectives. Our report describes in detail the actions of numerous co-conspirators who agreed with and participated in Trump's plan to impair, obstruct, and defeat the certification of President Biden's electoral victory. So that's part one, and I've got a second video I'm going to play. But I wanted to point out the obstruction of official proceeding charges. The, that is a common charge we're seeing um, being handed down to almost all of the January 6th uh, insurrectionists. So they're looking to charge or ask Trump be charged with that. Um, and then the second one, conspiracy to defraud the United States, that's pretty serious. Um, and I think it's on par. Remember, Trump had this whole plan about having fake electors, um, having, you know, asking Mike Pence not to um, certify the election, have it get kicked back to the states and have these fake electors come in and, um, you know, decide that Trump would be the winner. Um, the entire time we knew that he had not won the election. And I think at this point, you know, we have enough evidence showing us that Trump also knew that that was the case, but that wasn't going to stop him from, you know, stopping the uh, overturning of power. I want to play one more video and then we can talk about this. Third, we make a referral based on Title 18, Section 1001, which makes it unlawful to knowingly and willfully make materially false statements to the federal government. The evidence clearly suggests that President Trump conspired with others to submit slates of fake electors to Congress and the National Archives. We believe that this evidence we set forth in our report is more than sufficient for a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump and others in connection with this offense. As before, we don't try to determine all of the participants in this conspiracy, many of whom refuse to answer our questions while under oath. We trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a more complete picture through its own investigation. The fourth and final statute we invoke for referral is Title 18, Section 2383, the statute applies to anyone who incites, assists, or engages in insurrection against the United States of America and anyone who gives aid or comfort to an insurrection. 
An insurrection is a rebellion against the authority of the United States. It is a grave federal offense anchored in the Constitution itself, which repeatedly opposes insurrections and domestic violence, and indeed uses participation in insurrection by officeholders as automatic grounds for disqualification from ever holding public office again at the federal or state level. Anyone who incites others to engage in rebelling, assists them in doing so, or gives aid and comfort to those engaged in insurrection is guilty of a federal crime. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transfer, transition of power under our Constitution. The President has an affirmative and primary constitutional duty to act to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Nothing could be a greater betrayal of this duty than to assist in insurrection against the constitutional order. So <clears throat> those are some serious charges there, right? So I think that they that there is ample, I agree with Raskin, there's ample evidence to um, support these charges in my opinion. Um, we've seen the clear evidence that it wasn't just Trump and, and White House officials that were involved. There was communications with Mike Bannon, with Oath Keepers, well, no, uh, Proud Boys, whatnot. So the question is, is what will the Department of Justice do? Um, what are your thoughts, Ron? Very little. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I can't, I mean, I, I try, like, like I get it. it it's... I mean, I, I don't disagree with your analysis. I, I just really don't see much coming from this. I know, like, the big difference this time is that he's, you know, he's really pissed off some really powerful people. You know, like, like he's pissed <laughs> off. He's pissed off the FBI. He's pissed off the CIA. Uh, but, you know, here's the deal. When he was in office, he was he was playing the fiddle they wanted him to play. He didn't buck them at all. You know, if, if he did, uh, well, I, I <laughs> the people who actually... I think it could be argued he did buck the FBI. Uh, certainly, different heads of the FBI. He I didn't mean, I the way it. he didn't the way other people do. He didn't the way other people did because if he did, uh, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Because people who really buck the FBI, uh, they're people like JFK, who we talked about the last episode, and uh, we know what happened to him. So you know, I mean, I just don't. I still stand by, I think, well, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a chance he will not be running in 2024? Do you think that he will yes. pay some kind of, you really do? I highly doubt it. I, I'd be fine if I end up being wrong, but, you know, just objectively what looking at Steve it. What do you opinion is on this? I'm sure it's really stupid. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, I know we have a Bannon clip. Should we play we it do. now? Should we play it? <laughs> After Monday, it's rolling. They're gonna they're gonna indict him. There's no doubt about that. They're they're coming for him. Okay, and they're coming for him. They just put a bill in. Uh, Forty one uh, Democrats put a bill in to 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 restrict him from running for president. They understand they can't beat him at the ballot box. They didn't beat him in 2020. They he's not beatable at the ballot box. Not beatable at the ballot box. They have to do something else, and they're going to use this aspect. The the 
the uh, DOJ in the um, in the federal judiciary. And this is blockbuster. All right. Sorry, Bannon. He's beatable at the ballot box, obviously, because he lost the election. But carry on, Ron. No, I was just going to point out that Scott Bannon looks like if Jabba Steve. the Hutt, like, oh, wow, I called him Scott. Yeah, I know. It's all right. Steve Bannon. Have- Steve Bannon. I, I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to mess up his 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 podcast <laughs> handle. But yeah, no, he looks like he looks like if Jabba the Hutt and like chewing tobacco made it like like he's just the most ridiculous human being. Um, but here he goes just repeating stop the steal stuff. I mean, and that's what, like, I just don't, I mean, they have gone around so much in this whole thing. I mean, first they were looking into whether or not Trump incited violence, which is worth looking into, but a court of law needs to decide that you can't just like, be like, here's a tweet. It's been decided. Well, no, you have to have, uh, you know, a judicial process that that's how the law works as it should. Then all of a sudden that kind of went away. And then it was his, um, you know, just financial corruption, which, which he's an oligarch. There's plenty of financial corruption. And, you know, a couple people have taken some falls here and there. Like they got like fine, like someone from his organization had to pay something, whatever. Um, you know, now it's kind of back to where we were before. And if they get like, like if, if they get to push those charges further, well, what's going to happen next? There's going to be like another kind of step and before you know it he's just going to be on the campaign trail again and you know what part of this is maybe my own bias because tina you know me i ain't scared of donald trump i'm scared of ron well not scared but but like i'm more concerned about ron desantis i am more concerned about ron desantis than donald trump 100 times out of 100 because he is a billion times more dangerous trump is just a, a narcissist failed businessman who just said whatever he had to say for his own popularity, uh, and he's completely incompetent. And if he were to get in the White House again, that would be terrible, and that would be a disaster, and it would be sickening. But he would also be completely incompetent. He would he would have people people would be rotating out of that office the way a regular person changes their socks, and uh, it wouldn't be near as dangerous as someone like a Ron DeSantis, a true competent fascist theocrat who would be able to get some stuff done like this country hasn't even seen before. So, yeah, Sorry, I have a hard time. I agree time with you that DeSantis is, is all of those things. I 100% co-sign on DeSantis being all those things agree. I guess my overarching um, my overarching issue at this point with the situation is that he needs to be held accountable for what happened, regardless of whether he I agree I, I, or not. To me, this is more about he, he needs to be held accountable just because he was the ex-president doesn't mean that any of these things are okay. And in fact, in my opinion, it makes them that much worse. The fact that an ex-president at the time president could could engage in insurrection the way that he did. And, and it's really obvious that that is 100 percent what he was doing is kind of scary. I mean, I, we can we can bitch and complain about all the problems we have with our democracy. And, and there are plenty of them. And all of that is justifiable. I agree with it. But we don't have a democracy, Tina. I hate to burst but, that bubble for you, but it's better. It happened before the new year. <laughs> we, we we do have what's left of a democracy. I mean, we're set up as a democracy. My point is, is I want to increase that messy ass democracy. I want we to have see a that nice grow. theater show. Yes. 
And I, I don't think it's good to let this guy off the hook, especially. Well, especially I never said it was. It's not good. <laughs> we don't just. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, we're we're kind of having. Uh, Are we having a poll here? We're having a poll. Oh shit! Colin put in a poll. What's the I poll? I love that. All right. So, will Trump be able to run in twenty twenty four? So far, we oh, have seventy one percent. Yeah, because they agree with you. Seventy one percent. Yes. Well, I didn't know that. I said I liked yeah. it before he told me that part. Now I like it more. <laughs> I like it more now. Twenty nine percent are saying no. I, so you know, I look we'll, remains to be seen, but I do think that the Department of Justice uh, might come down with some indictments. I do. You're just, try, you're just trying to get your numbers up. You're just trying. You're like twenty nine. That's not even. <laughs> Come you're on, like people. no 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 something's gonna happen you guys Wait, gonna, i, I there's the thing i'm gonna there's... pull at elon that is what did elon say his poll was when it didn't work out to his favor do you remember if Tina loses this poll she is stepping down from ceo <laughs> of instagram <laughs> no i mean look I, I think honestly at the end of the day uh you're just saying ought and I'm just saying is, and I think really we're probably both right. Like, Cause it's like, I don't disagree. Yeah. Of course he shouldn't be able to get away with this stuff. Nobody should. But I also look at the world around and like, I'm just objectively recognizing that he has a different set of rules than most people. Oh, I don't disagree with that. He's, I'm a, just, he's an oligarch. And I'm just thinking this might, this time it might be different. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just, I think, I don't think and, they and, can, this it's too big i worry when my friends say these things <laughs> tina that's all i'm saying this time it's gonna be yes. different i mean that th there's a certain concerning it's element to that to fail i guess that's what's on the table uh, well, right, no. i mean it's I been i mean I look, we had we had the russia gate show for four years we had yeah. the we had the two impeachment performances guy is still getting ready for run for president yeah. We, we like, wasted time on that stuff. I agree. It was meaningless, but it was political theater. But this really is not political theater. This is really serious stuff. So I, I, I want to believe you. We do live in a world where sometimes third time's the charm. That does happen. Will it happen here? <laughs> I just think I can't it is say for sure. No, because I think this stuff is way more serious than the other things were. Right. The other things that he was accused of weren't on the scale and they weren't certainly as supported as this particular situation is i guess we'll see i mean it will take balls i understand that for the department of justice to <laughs> hand out indictments to the ex-sitting president i totally get that but i'm yes. hoping yes see what i did there i i i, I got it to the point where you started out like like you sounded like a freaking attorney and then by the end you were just like look i get it it'll take balls all right ron i get it <laughs> I just, I just grew on you like a fungus. You 100% It's really hilarious. All right. Um, <laughs> I also want to talk about Cassidy Hutchinson for a second because there were some bombshells that came that have come out in regards to her testimony and what happened behind closed doors uh, with her. So there was a Trump world lawyer that was originally hired for her and then was replaced later on. It turns out now that this uh, attorney was advising her to basically lie to the January 6th committee by just saying that she didn't remember things or didn't know about things. Well, that's not the case. She knew that she did. And so she decided to go with the truth and not perjure herself. But um, so Cassie Hutchins says Trump world lawyer told her to mislead January 6th panel. We're going to get you a really good job in Trump world. Hutchinson said Stephen Pos Posentino told her. 
So uh, former Donald Trump staffer Cassidy Hutchinson told the House January 6th Select Committee that allies of the former president told her to hide her full knowledge of the White House going ons at the time of the 2021 Capitol riot, according to newly released interview transcripts. At the time, Hutchinson said people in Trump's orbit dangled jobs in front of her, jobs that were withdrawn as she continued cooperating with the committee. Hutchinson, who was an aide to former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, sat for, sworn, sat for sworn interviews with the January 6th committee over two days in September, adding to previous testimony she'd given to the panel. Uh, beginning with questions about her legal representation, Hutchinson explained she had not initially wanted to retain an attorney from Trump world, as she and others repeatedly called it, but that her financial situation had limited her options. At one point, she agreed to be represented by Stephen Passantino, a former Trump White House ethics lawyer. Here's the best part. This dude what is an ethics attorney. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she told the panel the understanding was that if she listened to him, she would be, take quote unquote, taken care of. Passantino said, look, we want to get you in, get you out. We're going to downplay your role. You were a secretary. Everyone's on the same page about this. The less you remember, the better, Hutchinson told the committee. She later clarified she believed everyone referred to a group of attorneys helping Trump navigate his various legal entanglements. So I think that's you know a bit of a bombshell to have the Trump ethics attorney telling her to basically lie, lie on the stand. Yeah, but when you hear things like Trump's orbit and yeah. all these other names, what is that code for? That that's code for the blame's going to land on somebody else. That's, that's right code for there's a lot of fall people there's a big it's like it's like there's a big old thing and it's not necessarily a domino it's more like a freaking casing and you got to knock down a bunch of dominoes and then all of a sudden do you break through the casing or not well there's a good chance you're not going to if enough dominoes catch heat and honestly if they can just have enough fall people where they're like well this person's going to prison and this person's paying a fine and this person can't practice anymore the united yeah. states of amnesia will forget uh, let's go to, uh, people are shouting out some Jethro Tull soons in the chat. Oh, no. be very happy. Thank you all very much. Uh, let's go to fake news. Okay. This is, uh, fourth fixer. Yeah, this is a doozy. Do people know what the fourth estate is? They do, right? Fourth fixer upper is the perfect way. This is a doozy. So, um, ABC news producer, this is a wild story that's coming out of, um, of course is coming out of Florida. <laughs> But like, we're not, like only, most. not only in Florida, it's just kind of funny that that's where we're at. So um, basically what's happening here is this girl that was this woman that was a ABC News producer, freelance producer, also took a job with this company, Matrix LLC, that is a corporate lobbyist uh, group. Matrix LLC basically does lobbying um, on behalf of utilities. Um, in Florida, they also have sugar, big sugar as a client. Um, <clears throat> so she was using her ABC News producer business card in order to dog political candidates, but not for stories that she was doing for ABC, but for things that she was doing for Matrix. And she was trying to ask them about fake things that never happened to make them look bad so that they could possibly lose their election among other things. Um, so this is reporting, original reporting coming out of NPR in a group called Floodlight. Floodlight is a group that funds um, climate change newsroom reporting, trying to get stories out there that are accurate. So, so this was a cooperation with NPR and Floodlight. Um, so television news producer, Kristen Henschel was doing precisely what journalists should do on a searing hot day in Stewart, Florida in July, 2018. 
she confronted a politician with unwelcome questions. Microphone and ABC News business card in hand, Henschel rushed up to a candidate for the Florida House of Representatives before a debate. The candidate recalls and asked him to about 20 dead gopher tortoises that were reportedly found at a nearby construction site. Florida designates this species as threatened. As far as the candidate, to uh, Toby Overdoff, knew, there were no real dead tortoises. And he should have known. Overdoff, an environmental engineer, served as the wildlife consultant to the construction project. Visibly flustered, Overdorf told Henschel on camera that he didn't know what she was talking about. Residents say they aren't buying it, Henschel declared in the new style video she later posted online. A city investigation found no dead tortoises. In fact, it found no ev evidence at all that any of the reptiles had ever been present. So sounds like she was just making up the situation to make him look bad, yeah. right? Well, yeah. And she did it as, I mean, the other thing here is like, this was an environmental effort they were doing. So, right. so this was like for an environmental project. So she's trying to kind of flip the script and be like, oh, well, this so-called environmental project is killing all these gopher tortoises, you know, which this is the anti-climate change lobby. This is like right. one of their tactics. Like they'll always be, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen this meme, like, oh, the windmills kill birds, which, hey, guess what? Do a couple birds get killed by windmills? Yeah, that does happen. You know what kills birds a lot more? Airplanes. Freaking fossil fuels. Well, yeah, oh. airplanes too. But fossil fuels. Cats. Fossil fuels. Drilling. That kills yeah. birds a lot more. It, right. So what we're currently doing kills a lot more birds than a freaking windmill would. But you still see that meme regurgitated and regurgitated. Yeah. Here's a situation where at least that meme, there's like a little nugget of truth even though it's like a bullshit truth but it is true like okay that does happen in this case it didn't even freaking happen this right. project didn't yeah. even kill any they made it up they totally made, made it, it up. up and she wasn't a reporter no wait it gets worse right yeah so that wasn't the only surprise though henschel had done freelance work for abc she was not there for the network at the time, a political consulting firm called Matrix LLC had paid Henschel at least $7,000, the firm's internal ledger show. And Matrix billed two major companies for Henschel's work labeling the payments for Florida Crystal's FPL, um, that's the sugar conglomerate, and uh, FPL is shorthand for the giant utility Florida Power and Light. So obviously they had a vested interest in not having this guy win office. Both companies could have benefited from her efforts to undermine Overdorf and his promises to resolve environmental issues in the district he was vying to represent. Florida Power and Light was pushed back against has pushed back against efforts to bring solar panels to the Sunshine State, while runoff from the sugar industry is a major source of water pollution in Florida. Floodlight and NPR have not been able to independently verify whether Florida Power and Light or Florida Crystals knew about Henschel's video. Florida Power and Light declined to comment for the story, and Florida Crystals lawyer, lawyer, lawyer Joseph Clock says the company was not involved in any way, nor was anyone acting on its behalf in any negative tax in any form directly or indirectly. But this is why they hire lobbyists and communications firms, right? So that they can have plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe them. I, I don't believe that they pay. <laughs> It's like, why else she, would she why do she it? Like, she just went rogue? Yeah, no. There's mean, no yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's obviously a connection between the money she took from Matrix and the Matrix getting paid from these other firms. This is how they do these things, right? Um, Overdorf still won his election. That's good news. Uh, a journalist role in political dirty tricks. 
Interviews for the story Matrix Ledger show Henschel traded on her work for ABC News at least three times to trip up Florida politicians whose stances on environmental regulations cut against the interests of major Matrix clients. Internal Matrix financial records originally sent anonymously to the Orlando Sentinel and shared with Floodlight showed that since 2016, the firm has paid Henschel at least $14,350. According to two people at ABC News with knowledge, Henschel was not, in fact, reporting for ABC on any of those subjects. If she was working on those stories, she was not authorized to cover them for ABC News, one of them said. All right. <clears throat> That's example one. I've got two other examples. Um This is wild stuff, though, that this is happening. Also, I looked into Matrix LLC, and I noticed that they have uh, Alabama Power as a client. And over the years, they have been they've taken two and a half million dollars from Alabama Power, which is a very profitable uh, private utility in Alabama, of all places. So this is obviously what this company is about. This is what they do. I'm sure we're going to hear more about this uh, Matrix LLC in the future. But well, and you'll see people try to pull more stuff like this in the future. I mean, how messed up is it too? Like very messed up that you find yourself. I mean, you should never be, and th- this is just like kind of like a thematic thing. You should never find yourself not like you should never find yourself rooting for a politician over a journalist. Like the fact that that happens is extremely messed up. It's you very should, even even if it's a politician you like or, or that you you like their policies, you should still want a journalist to right. highlight the goodness of their policies or to hold them account when they when they don't do the right thing. You should never be like, well, gee, this person is a straight up propagandist because they're making things up to try yes. to sabotage an actual good thing. I, I mean, that, that's so like backwards and that goes beyond. I mean, that 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 is the complete opposite of what journalism is supposed to be um because yep. it's not journalism it's just, it's literally just pr and it's not even just like bullshit pr it's straight up deceptive because you are making shit up you're not even manipulating stuff at this point you're just making it up yeah i mean so here's the thing so their common dreams picked up on additional reporting on this after the npr thing came out and they basically are saying news sites took nearly one million from consultant pushing power companies agenda so one million dollars was handed out by this matrix company to news organizations i mean this is insane it shouldn't be legal no like this should be illegal And I'm going to name names. Let's name names because this is really shameful. So Yellowhammer News, which I've never heard of, Alabama Political Reporter, Alabama Today, The Capitalist, Florida Politics, and Sunshine State News at least took 900,000 collectively between 2013 and 2020. Of course, of course, The Capitalist is among them. Yeah, right. I've, I've never even heard of the capitalist, but but I mean I'm I'm, I'm not surprised it exists. It's still and, and with an course, O, not an A. Capital is like the capital is, but yeah. Oh, I get it. Very clever. Yeah, but of course they're among. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um. Yeah. I mean, this is this shouldn't be. Li- I mean, here's the thing. You know, like I've looked into some of the like some of the media structures in other countries. In a lot of other countries, this wouldn't be legal. That's why when you look at like press freedom indexes that are worth a damn, not the ones that are like just like funded by like our our, our military industrial complex, but like real ones, the United States barely ranks in the top 50. Like we are like crazy low, um, you know, 
and I, deservedly yeah, I mean, so. I mean, U.S. Pr Freedom of the Press Foundation. We're yeah, we're not anywhere near in the top twenty. I think at this point, we're way no, low. No, we we rank terribly, and and yeah. we rank honestly right around right around the countries we wag our finger at. We rank in, in the places they do. We're, we're right. We're right there alongside Russia. Um, like that's in fact, I think we rank below them. You know, I mean, we rank below like just a ton of places because like a media structure where you're at least getting, um, you know, funding from the government or there's like accountability. I mean, we make it out like state media is some big boogeyman with state media. There's at least some accountability. Now, when you have more authoritarians in charge like that starts to become a problem, obviously. Right. But there's still more accountability compared to a freaking corporate yeah. giveaway. It's, it's freaking nuts. Yeah, it is freaking nuts. All right. So the next one I want to talk about is <clears throat> the Sean Hannity admits he never believed Sidney Powell's wacko claims. So I, this relates obviously back to the Trump election. Um, this is the Daily Beast article. So Fox News star Sean Hannity has admitted under oath that he didn't believe the lies Sidney Powell was spouting in the aftermath of the 2020 election, including the ones he allowed her to say on his show. I did not believe it for one second, he said in his deposition for Dominion Voting Systems defamation case against Fox News, according to the New York Times. The admission is notable in that it indicates that Fox personalities such as Hannity and Tucker Carlson may have known that content surrounding the idea of a stolen election was false, yet allowed it to air repeatedly anyway. This revelation came out during a pretrial hearing on Wednesday, which also revealed that a Fox Corporation employee contacted the Trump White House, urging it to drop Powell over her false claims. OK, so I mean, this is just another example. So your job as a journalist, if somebody's sitting in your newsroom and you're asking them questions and, you know, you know, they're lying, you're supposed to hold them accountable for those lies. These guys chose not to do that, obviously, because they're part of a you know propaganda for the Trump campaign. So now they're now they're facing, you know, possible civil litigation for that. And they don't want to lie under a deposition, obviously, perjure themselves in court in any way. So now they're basically saying, yeah, we knew it might, probably was false, but we let it happen anyway. So, well, and that's the thing. They let it happen in the sense that they wasn't if they were just engaging with the person and pushed back and had right. like a discussion, they wouldn't need to say, oh, yeah, we didn't believe it. They could just say, watch the freaking newscast. Like, 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 did you hear my right. follow up questions? And did you hear my you know, not satisfaction with the answers. I mean, usually, you know, when you're doing cable news, you usually have like, what, 25 seconds to have what should be like a 12 minute conversation about an issue. So you have to like, you know, like, like have a bite sized thing. So eventually someone gets the last word. But if someone's pushing back on something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, you know. I mean, this is again. So the state, it, it really bothers me, I guess, not only because I'm a journalist, but also because when people you know, have these conversations about fake news, there is an underlying truth to why that myth is being propagated. And it's because of things like this. These two stories we discussed. The state of the fourth estate is the fourth fixer upper at this point. We have um, real problems here and there doesn't seem to be any sort of ethical commitment to veracity at this point. And it's very detrimental to the public, I mean, because people need to know that the news that they're seeing or the information that they're being given by a trusted site, right, a trusted news source is at least, you know, has some sort of commitment to veracity or truth. And the fact that it doesn't is really. Luck. I mean, yeah, it's it's <laughs> and look, if we're being honest here, 
the Sean Hannity's, well, the Sean Hannity's of the world, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, they are just the crust on top of the turd. Like, like they are, they are not, I mean, like, honestly, like, like they're just, I mean, when you, and then when you look at the entire fucking feces, it's a for-profit media system that again, in other countries is not legal. Like, like, like tons of the stuff we do would be be straight up illegal. Like, well, yeah, well, because we used to have better protections, all that's gone. But even just as small as like having commercials on news, there's other countries that's not allowed because they're like, no, you can't have advertising on news because that might compromise what is delivered as news. News and information needs to be publicly funded and needs to be, you know, right. That's a no brainer. You're you're taught that you're taught that in a freshman comm class. Like, like that's a no brainer. Yet we have had the opposite of that for no, the because, longest time in this country. Yeah. We, we didn't all we used to have, I would say, one of the better media structures out there out of anywhere. We used we to did. have everything was funded by the Postal Service. And this was right. back when all we had was newspapers. This is long before radio, TV, Internet. But like we used to have uh, subsidized newspapers right. because like the, the post office subsidized everything because they believed in the importance of public, of, service. News, yeah. of public service. And we just lost all that. I mean, Thomas also, Jefferson. I also, Ron, I have to point out <clears throat> the other thing that's happened is this stuff isn't frowned upon anymore by your peer group, right? So everybody's out to make more and more money, right? So so a lot of these political pundits view themselves as part of an entertainment complex, not as, you know, journalists that are gathering information for the public, right? So, so you know, if you did this stuff 40 years ago, you'd be out of a job and you would be like run out of the entire, you know, industry with shame on your shoulders, but that's just not the case anymore. Yeah, well, this is a good time to let people know. Go to statusq.com slash join. Yes. Because one of the things we do here is on the ground journalism. That's what happens here. Tina goes on the ground. Jordan goes on the ground. Status Lou goes on the ground. Uh, and we bring stories. <laughs> John and then Farina. We, John Farina. And then we, we take that firsthand footage and we bring stories to you that no one else is talking about. And we draw connections to other stories that are going very, very underreported, like digital rights and the rise in child labor uh, and uh, just labor issues in general that still go uh, go under the radar so often. So that's what we do here. And uh, we kind of call it like we see it. And uh, so, yeah, statusqcom slash join new year, new you with a status coup membership. Um, so I want to make a couple, we'll we'll do some more (laughs) chats. I got a few announcements. So first of all, uh, can we go to the time article real quick here, Colin? Cause I I do have to, uh, life expectancy. This is just, no, no, no. This is, uh, this is the, the time article I just sent. This is about the L that I'm having to take. Uh, this is about, well, here's the good news, folks. The good news is that, uh, Schumer, well, we'll do bad news first. Schumer killed the the antitrust bills, OMA and ECOA, which, which I've been talking about a, a lot. If you're not super familiar with that, please check out some of these uh, the other videos. They are uh, bills that would start reigning in big tech. They would stop yeah. Amazon and Google from prioritizing their own goods and services over everyone else in search results. And they will stop Apple's monopolization of the App Store because they charge everyone else these high commission rates. Um Chuck Schumer took these bills out of the omnibus spending package, which is the must-pass <laughs> must spending package. If they don't pass it, the government shuts down. 
which, uh, you know, they have one of those like every couple months. Like, oh, the government's going to shut down unless we, you know. So our last ditch effort was to get it on the omnibus bill. It wasn't in the omnibus bill. So that's a big L. And that really, uh, that just really sucks. I mean, I was part of this campaign for the better part of this year. But there's a little bit of good news. Scroll down a little bit, Colin. We got a little bit of good news. Uh, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. This is all still bad news. Um, so here we go. As a consolation, so Schumer's like, look, my daughters work for big tech and I don't really give a shit, so I'm just going to screw everybody. But, but here's the crumbs that Chuck Schumer threw instead. An extra $85 million into the nation's two antitrust enforcement agencies, $50 million to the FTC, $35 million to Department of Justice Antitrust Division. So, okay. Okay is a good reaction. Like, like it's like, all right, that that's not zero. That's something. And you know what? That's still important because guess what? Yeah. We're going to have to fight another day with antitrust. And also, we're going to uh, – another cool thing here is uh, – there's a lot of stuff going on in antitrust outside of the digital space, too. One of the big ones being the merger between Kroger and Albertsons, which would make food prices go way the frick higher, y'all. Yeah. Way yeah. higher. So yeah. if there's more going to antitrust, that's not a bad thing. Hopefully the more is going to be actual enforcement and not just strongly worded yeah. letters. But here's hoping. But, you know, we took that here's loss. Hoping. Yeah. And and I, I, I got, do you have the Airtable thing, Colin? Is that readily handy? Because I want to mention that real quick. So, guys, this is a creators network that I am uh, helping to put together along with Fight for the Future. What we want to do is, is we want to assemble a bunch of content creators and kind of um, highlight how digital rights issues are often connected, no pun intended, to other issues <laughs> going on in the news. So we're kind of going to deliver those updates to your inbox to hopefully encourage more people to cover these issues more often than a lot of people do now. Cause uh, you don't see much coverage on this stuff. Obviously you see some here on status quo. You see some on my show, get your news on with Ron, but it's a very underreported beat. And so uh, I'm trying to change that. I'm, I'm trying to kind of uh, build those bridges. So please, if you are a TikToker or Instagram, or even if you just have a Twitter account, I mean, it's not like, you know, if, if you put any content out there and want to just have uh, uh, more of an ear to the ground on these issues, please right. do sign up. There is no obligation, but we're creating something really, really cool. I hope in the future, like-minded people get to collaborate, and this is sort of a nucleus for all that. So please, please, please sign up. This is my baby. This is my all baby. Right. Um, so I let's go. Let's go towards. Uh, do we have anything else story wise, or are we just going yeah, to? Yeah, we uh, have the uh, no, no, the um, um. Oh, we all die quicker. That's the that's the last quicker. thing, the, right? Yes, that's the last. We all die quicker. Yeah, we're all dying faster now, folks. So, uh, so you know, have a have a good holiday. I mean, I mean, if you if you're thinking about eating that extra cookie, you might as well because we all die sooner now we're all just dying sooner our life expectancy is going down but you know what's going up retirement age so if you're an average american you get to work to the bone until the age of 67 to enjoy yeah yeah you get yeah you get about eight years yeah yeah you just do it all for like maybe eight years oh and, and by the way you're going to be like old so you're not going to be as into you know traveling or anything i, I mean you, you might still do some of that but not as much as you could uh, in your younger years. So, so that's, uh, 
That's what they're offering. That's what the United States offers you as a, as a citizen. Work to the bone until you're 67 and then uh, die soon. U.S. life expectancy continued its steady alarming decline in 2021 as COVID-19 and illegal drugs took the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans, according to the final government data released on Thursday. Even as some peer nations began to bounce back, uh, life expectancy because of the pandemic, life expectancy in the U.S. dropped to 76.4 years at birth, down from 77, which, by the way, still isn't all that great. No. Um, in 2020, Not compared to some other countries is low. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really freaking low. And there's a number of reasons for this. One is, of course, our let it rip attitude about the pandemic. One yeah. is, uh, you know, drugs. One is no health care. That's a big one. That's probably big, like it's a huge the one biggest. is no health Yeah. No health care. Poor diet due to not having money to buy, you know, better foods, food deserts. There's so many contributing factors to this. Fucked up food culture, a fucked up work culture. That's the other thing. It's like, dude, most countries, like we don't, they don't work this much. It's freaking insane. We get less vacation time, less maternity and paternity time, less like, like holiday time, less all quality time. Like, it's ridiculous. And there's people out there that that have been, I mean, and you saw, like, we bring rail workers on this show and other workers on this show. You see how grossly exploited they are. Shout out to Dennis, though, who did did throw one of my favorite uh, sentiments in here. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I love that. I do love that sentiment, Dennis. (laughs) I really do. I And I appreciate, but you know what? I, I want both. I want a good time and I want a long time. That's usually like for people that know they're they're doing uh, doing things that might uh, might make it a short time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like people who who maybe enjoy their whiskey a little bit too much or harder things. And and I get it. I get the sentiment. But uh, I want I want a good time and a long time. And uh, you know, I mean, and if I go chocolate. out, if I and some chocolate. If I go out early, <laughs> I want it to be something cool. You know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I hear you, but we're, we're dying quicker and other countries, not near as much, but here we have shit food, a bullshit work culture. Um, we have no public health measures. We have no, no health care. Yeah. It's a so wreck. It's yeah. a wreck. Go to work, go to work and be happy for the process. Cause you might get, you might get eight years. You might get eight years, eight years to kind of do what you want. And I'd love then, to see that data yeah. actually broken out by um, income level too. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. If you're rich, if you're very rich, you can live great in the United States. But if you're not, right. And and by the way, like we're not talking. I mean, there's still people in this country who like they do still have decent jobs and stuff like that, and they make decent money. And I would argue their quality of life is still pretty shitty. Yeah. You know, because it's like yeah. it's like, yeah, they, they they do OK, but they work, you know, constantly, constantly and their life revolves around their job. job. Right. And it's like that that's not a quality Whereas of in life. other countries. There's like 30 hour work weeks. That's standard. You know, that's just how it is. And there's six weeks paid vacation. Uh, you know, there's countries in Europe where you get the entire month of August off. Yeah. And, and like also it's even in like. Even in the UK, which is like a little more, uh, you know, a little more stringent compared to other. Well, they're not in the EU anymore, but but compared to neighboring EU countries, which they are not a part of anymore since Brexit. But they're a little more uh, Americanized, dare I yeah. put it that way. But not even there, it's like nowhere yeah. close. They yeah. you see people out all the time because they actually get a real break. 
where they yeah. go and, and they freaking use their bodies. They freaking exercise. And you'll see they have a bag with them because usually they like shower to get dressed up for work again or whatever. Uh, you see a lot of times they don't start work until a little later because they expect people to go out at night. They're like, hey, you worked. You should like go out or you should go to the gym or you should have a nice dinner with your spouse or whatever it is you're going to do. That's why, like, you'll see people out in music venues. I mean, I mean, I did, I did like a bar show in London in the middle of the week, and it was freaking packed. Yeah, a, a show like that, a show like that in most cities in the U.S. would be empty, you yeah. know, or, or sparsely attending. Yeah. And and it's like it, it's just such a different. It's, it's I mean, so different. It's so different. It's whenever it's, I see my relatives in family, Italy family leave when you have a bit yeah. uh, baby you know it, it's not just women it's both men and women get you know in some countries a year off to take care of their what their baby you know i mean so we have really messed up priorities here beyond i mean whenever i whenever i see my family in italy they, they honestly like some of my cousins they're just like dude what are you doing why are you not why just come like what do you what is la that freaking exciting and they don't ask me that, but it, but it's like that's what I ask myself when when they're saying, when they're just like, what are you? Why? Why? Just come here! Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, yeah. Sometimes I wonder that. I I don't know. I I mean, the weather's great in California. That is tough to beat. That is tough to beat. And and I and I live in San Pedro, which is a neighborhood with with good punk rock music, good food, and a yes. beat. So it's like I, I gotta I gotta find somewhere else that checks all those boxes. So. Right. But uh, anyway, so yeah, we're dying quicker, folks. Happy holidays. <laughs> wow, what an ending. <laughs> so here, let's go to a few more chats. But uh, yes. before we get there, if y'all don't mind, I will let you know I'm going to be on the road in 2023, which is like a week. That's like a, in a week. All right. So let's That's get ready. Oh my it's God. like a, almost a week. And I'm, I kick things off early too, folks. January 7th, I will be in San Diego, California, which is actually a free show, which is perfect for post-New Year. So go to romplacone.com, find information, and I'll see you in, in uh, San Diego on January 7th. January 28th, that's a stand-up show and the premiere screening of my short film, Loner. I worked really hard on this short film. I can't wait for the world to see it. Um, and you can get a discount on those tickets. Use the promo code Lucy at checkout for a holiday discount that's going to stop at the end of the year. So get your tickets now. Don't wait. Uh, and that's the promo code Lucy February 10th, April 14th and May 12th. I'm going to be doing a string of shows at the Glendale room in Los Angeles, working on my 2023 hour. Yeah. Tina will be there. And uh, American mid, huh? I said, come hang out with us. Come hang out in American Midwest and UK. I'll have some announcements for you soon. Uh, once I solidify the rest of the year, which should be coming up in the next month or so. So, uh, yeah. Should we do a few more chats before yes. we go Let's to the right wing insanity? Um, Fiona, it would help to get rid of the White House Correspondents Dinner. Why? Mm. That's, the only, that's the only time there's a fun roast happening. <laughs> I, I, I just think they need to make sure they only bring like good comedians in for that one. Like 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 Stephen Colbert crushed it. Michelle Wolf. I was just going to say that. Stephen Colbert had the damn funniest um, wasn't that the George W. Bush one? Is that it was what I'm 06. It was 06. I think 06? the only one who, I think Michelle Wolf beat him though. Michelle Wolf was fucking hilarious. Who was she roasting? I can't she, remember. Trump. I mean, she was so, well, it wasn't Trump. She roasted everybody. Like she roasted the Republicans. She roasted the Democrats. She roasted Trump. She roasted the media. She did the job the way it should be done. And she was freaking breathing fire. And she closed 
as people were applauding, she closed by saying Flint still doesn't have clean water. She was awesome. And especially in a situation like that, where it's like, you know, let's be honest, there's only so much you can get away with. She freaking crushed it. And she crushed it so hard. They didn't have comedians the following year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's right. when you know you crushed it. When you do so good, they don't have comedians again. That's right. Yeah, she's incredibly funny. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, but it would help to get rid of politicians and journalists should not have dinned in together. I do get that sentiment. I'm with you on that I sentiment 110. percent I, I I think that that there's a problem with access issues, meaning that a lot of journalists are afraid to push something too hard because they might lose access to a candidate, might lose access to not just candidates, police department whoever, plug in whatever, whatever their beat is. Um, and it, it can pose a problem. All right, folks. Well, smash the like button. Thank you for joining us today. And let's give a quick thank you before we go over to Right Wing Insanity. Thank you, Double K. Uh, thank you, Robert. And thank you, Double K, again, for your Super Chat contributions. You help keep this show on the air. Uh, Tina and I will be back on Monday after the holiday. We'll hear about everyone's holiday uh, week here. And, uh, yeah, happy holidays, y'all. <laughs>